Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast hosted by Enough Labs. I'm your host, Dina, and I cannot believe that we have made it to the 14th episode. This is the last episode of season one, and I am joined today by two people that I've been trying to convince to join me on this podcast since it started. I am joined by two people I've known my entire life, my sister Maria and my brother Angelo. Welcome. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Happy to be here. (laughs) This is going to be fun. Let's get started. All right, let's get into it. I had to give it some thought as to what I wanted to, once I got them to say yes, what we would actually be talking about. And this season of Embracing Enough has unpacked a lot of really exciting, important, and necessary conversations. I think one of the pieces that has really brought this full circle for me is just thinking about our own respective journeys to Embracing Enough, really. And as Angelo, a new father, has had us thinking a lot about is how Sophia, his daughter, Maria and I's niece, um, has really come into her own with all of her gutsy, bold, charismatic energy. We've started to think about what has us as adults getting to a place of not feeling enough when we observe Sophia (laughs) really not not giving any real thought to not being enough she really embraces everything that is her so we wanted to really unpack this as our own journeys um, and what got us to feeling as we as we do so with that let's let's jump into it um at embracing enough we obviously are all about our stories so let's let's start there um Maria, do you want to talk to us about who you are in the context of our family? Who are you? What's your story? I would say, um, well, I'm the middle. So you can uh, draw your own context about what that means to be in the middle. Uh, Middle child uh, named after my mother's mother. Um, Yeah, I, I would say that I don't want to carry this story into it, but I would definitely, when I think of myself as the young version of myself, I would be the black sheep and the rebel and also um, the person who thought I could uh, take care of everyone else, but in a very um, I have the answers type of way. I would say that sums me up in the family. Nice. Nice. Angela, what about you? What's your story? Well, my story would be I am the youngest, the baby, um, maybe started off as the forgotten one, but then turned into uh, the pampered one um, as uh, time ticked on. Uh, I was named after my grandfather, so that came with some perks from my father's mother, my grandmother. Uh, I was her prince. So I was doted on, I was the namesake. Um, But in my household, that didn't always translate. I wasn't taken care of. But I may have turned into uh, maybe a bit of like, as rules laxed as being the third one that I didn't do much wrong, but I was looked at uh, that I, I was caught when I did wrong. At least that's what they thought. So, like, it wasn't that bad. Um, but, yeah, I think that that would sum it up. I mean, obviously, as the only boy, too, in a predominantly female family. That was, yeah, that, that, had, that, that played its part. So, yeah, that's me. This is amazing to actually hear these versions of our stories. Obviously, I've known you both. And I got to say, pretty accurate. (laughs) Me being the oldest, I would say my role in the family was 
or my story, really. Um, interesting that I said role because I take it on as a responsibility. Um, I have to say, Angelo, you, in my perspective, benefited from being around three very strong women. Definitely shaped your world, I would say. Um, but I would say also for me, the story I carried in the family is one of protector. Um, felt like I had to set a certain standard or example. Um, and, and I definitely took on a bit of like sort of like the warrior, I would say. <laughs> um, and, and I think what it plays into is, is the messages that we receive, the stories that we're told, the stories that we tell ourselves that kind of pigeonholes us into a bit of this. So I want to unpack that. Um, I would be interested, Maria and Angela, to hear from your perspective, how do you remember your childhood? You know, when I think about Sophia, you know, as um, looking at her and having all these new experiences, you know, she embodies to me having like limitless possibility. And so I think that is what epitomizes our childhood. Um, but talk to me about what your childhood was like and if you can recall a moment where that possibility, that sense of possibility kind of shifted. You want me to go? Yeah, I want you to start. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, I think that if I'm honest, I in my brother and sister know this, I just don't have a great memory, but I more remember feelings and um and that pulls me into always wanting to have conversations about children and their experiences because I, I can very I feel very in touch with what I felt as a kid but don't have many specific memories. Um, and, and if I'm honest, I don't I, I feel like there was such a short period of possibility for me um, because because of my experiences. So so for me it was a very intense emotional what's going on in the world why isn't someone giving me a manual type of experience to how you're supposed to function in the world um and when i look back at pictures of like when i was really young um i very rarely had like this this smile which would speak to some possibilities that i was possibly feeling or joy um i think i had really intense feelings and um, and because of that, I feel like I was being um, I, I was I was being told to be something else. Um, so as far as possibilities, I I really can't say that um, there was a period that I can really recall that it felt limitless or joyful. And that's just my experience. That's just the truth. Um, I, I, I have little, like, little tiny memories of joy, and I think if, if I think of possibility, like, in the idea of, like, being loved or feeling safe, um, they, they were more attached to, like, if I can just picture a moment with maybe, like, I had this great babysitter as a kid, and, um... Tracy. 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 Yeah. And I remember her, like, dancing, like doing these little dances like I would be standing on the bed and she'd be standing there and shimming me back and forth and I like have this little memory and that is not to say like my parents weren't creating that I just I'm so limited in my memories and for some reason that sticks with me as like being a joyful moment maybe just the one-on-one -on -one and like no distractions of um difficult situations that we had in our family mm. yeah yeah it's always interesting what kind of comes up when we're thinking about, you know, our childhood because there are moments where joy can be created and we think about who was around and creating that joy. Um, and for some reason, I think there's, there's studies on this about where sometimes in children's lives things shift, where that moment happens for all of us can be brought on by different experiences. So was there a moment, do you recall, like, where there was a shift, do you think? Was it like your teenage years or do you think it was earlier than that? Well, I just started to think about like when we would hang out with our, our cousins yeah. and, and kind of feeling like on the lower end of things mm. and feeling like that's, I think that's when I felt like there's got to be a manual here that I'm not getting. 
Um, <laughs> like so there I was like the she, difference was palpable. Yes. Like we just did. We felt othered. A yes. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think part of that was was moving around a lot, not feeling totally stable, um, and just wishing there was some sort of book on how to like interact and be. Um, in a, and I think a larger part for me was the emotional piece of it. Um, but yeah, I think the sh- I want to say the shift was probably around when I became mainly aware of that would probably be 10 or 11, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to, I think I was trying to figure it all out. And I feel like at some point, like then the messaging got very uh, ingrained. Obviously, this is hindsight, um, but that it didn't fit, you know, that something didn't fit. Yeah. You know, and then it, it shifts the journey to trying to find like now I got to find what fits because no fits. one's telling me. Yeah. yeah. Angel, what about you? Um, I was thinking kind of the same, not the same thing, but I was focused on the moving part. And um, as we did move around a lot, uh, I, I never felt like I mean, I always had pretty good times. I mean, it was always. But it was always kind of like restarting them. So I never, I mean, I never felt like there wasn't joy or there wasn't possibilities, but it was just always maybe readily changing. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always felt like the timing was different for the three of us. So, like, as we shifted around, like, I was young, so that was maybe formative times but then uh we were able to stabilize a bit as you guys were older uh and then i was able to kind of i still felt like there was plenty of possibilities i guess but um i don't know i was trying to like lock it down i couldn't really um yeah i mean well, possibility can look different at different ages, yeah. right? So we were moving around and I was older, mm-hmm. right? So the impact that the moves perhaps had on me yeah. may have looked different on you in terms of your perspective yeah, on I mean, what me, seemed me possible, about, right? like hanging out with like Jim Dan from the fourth grade probably wasn't like <laughs> that pertinent to like for me. Like, I mean, I, like, I, I found Eric in the fifth grade in Middleton and I'm like... Then went back somewhere. So, like, that wasn't that big a deal. Like, whereas, like, you guys, I don't know, that probably changed it more. Like, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, it's weird to, like, try and think back to that. But, I mean, I mean, I, I always felt like there was happiness and joy. And even if, like, things were heavy, like, I don't know, it's maybe because I was younger, you don't realize the, what's actually going on as much. So, uh, I mean, you know, something is, but you don't know the uh, the severity or what's, you know, the actual depth of it. Mm-hmm. I, I probably wasn't that deep at that point in my life. Probably still Are not, you deep today? No. So, <laughs> so, I mean, it was even less, but, um, so, yeah. Well, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, we've, we've experienced, you know, our own array of experiences that haven't been that easy to deal with, you know, divorce, disruption, lots of moves, um, you know, along the journey where we're, we were still kids. And, you know, I think everyone can appreciate the complexity of family dynamics, things that shift around us. And in the midst of all of that, what do you think, what do both of you think were some of the messages that you were receiving? Maybe some, some sort of direct and indirect stories that led you to believe what you believed about yourself. Like for me, I felt like I was constantly receiving some kind of messaging that I wasn't enough, frankly. I mean, I was in constant comparison to girls around me who were better athletes. I mean, you both know my my budding career as a gymnast (laughs) and a softball player. I mean, just constantly comparing, you know, not being thin enough because I was the heaviest one in my class. You know, what were some of the messages that you guys were receiving just growing up? Um, So, like I said, I mean, I think I had a nickname when I was younger and, uh, and that was Moody Mary. 
And uh, Mary was also an endearing name that my mother would call me. Um, and, and sometimes uncles and, and aunts and, and what have you. But it turned into Moody Mary. And, and that carried on for uh, till today. Um, so uh, that's definitely a message I got that my feelings weren't right whatever they were, instead of them getting, um, and instead of people asking, like, maybe, I don't know, why? <laughs> why are you feeling that way? Um, or what are you feeling? Yeah, or <laughs> um, or it's okay to feel that. So the message I feel like I got was, uh, was, was don't feel. And then um, the only emotion I really got comfortable with was kind of shutting down and being disconnected um, and, and being there for other people, but not really accessing that part of me. Um, but I wanted to say from the last, from what we were just talking about, sitting there listening to, to you guys is that like, I feel like the possibility has then and still now has always been within, within the three of us. Mm. I feel like I was just thinking when, when Angela was talking about his experience and I had like that, um, I had that thought of us like playing Crash Bandicoot, like in your room and like. (laughs) remembering that that was like joyful and there was nothing coming into that. And because it was just us, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and I had a period where then I wasn't around because of my own stuff, but I mean, prior to that, and, and even through that, even through that, that possibility never really went away. So I just wanted to add that piece. I love that. We were able to definitely create those moments outside of whatever, chaos or problems were surrounding yeah but that was like the safe that was the safe space yeah yeah and i was definitely the one always watching the video games because i always sucked at it yeah no you were good (laughs) (laughs) what about you Ange? um i'd like to say that i spent probably a large portion of uh, my career as a clown um it, I don't know if it started because uh, as we kind of started going over this and it started kind of percolating in my head was it was like did it start at home or did it start at school mm. and then so it's like kind of chicken or the egg but <laughs> but I kind of realized you know as things got heavy at home I think I always felt like not that I was ever told but that my role had to be kind of comedic relief uh to lighten up a situation um and then i don't know if i just enjoy it that's why i said like i don't know where it started but like enjoyed the attention or if i had, at school or if i enjoyed you know maybe being able to make you guys laugh uh in moments that were maybe more serious um you know where uh if things weren't going well or something had happened uh in the night i guess like i said that carried into school too and i don't know if that was just the attention or or what there but you know lightening up situations always kind of seemed like what to do um and then i don't know if that's also too so i didn't have to uh maybe i didn't have to deal with the heaviness of a situation uh and just kind of turn the attention away from what was actually going on and Mm -hmm. Maybe case in turn, I didn't have to deal with it either. So, mm. uh, so yeah, maybe that was it. Well, you're one of the funniest people I know, and so the the attention and the acknowledgement. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of that even differently. I mean, the you know kids. I didn't even think of that. Yet. I know, right? <laughs> kids do things, and 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 we've seen Sophia with it. I mean, you, the the type of reaction that you get oh, to yeah. what you're putting out is like what trains your brain to say, oh, like people think i'm funny this is a thing mm. you know crazy mm-hmm. but that uh that's that's deep and told you i can't be <laughs> <laughs> um well i i would be interested to know then ha, do you think along the way and maybe angela i'll turn it to you like was there anyone along the way that kind of helped you shift that messaging that like okay if you're saying that on some level you learned that providing that comedic relief was something that you were good at and and was well received by people and and indirectly it was something that people needed was there anyone along the way saying to you like you don't always have to be funny you don't always have to provide this um yeah probably along the lines when um 
I looked like an idiot in school. Mm. Um, <laughs> that all kind of came crashing down because uh, they didn't grade me on my performances there. <laughs> um, so as I realized about in the eighth grade that um, maybe that's when I started thinking about possibilities when uh, – not that there's ever anything wrong with that, but like my ceiling may have just been like <laughs> you, digging pitches on the side of the road. <laughs> so like it's, it's good work. I mean, but like I just that I was starting to realize that like maybe possibilities were shrinking down, <laughs> and, um, and they were like, hey, maybe not everything needs to be a joke. Um, you know, we can take something serious at times, and uh, you don't always have to be that person. Mm. Um, so uh, that was probably. Mostly, I would say mom and dad, because I remember, um, I guess I, I could say shoehorn a little enoughism into there. Love it. I'm was, here for it. Um, I do remember in the kitchen when I came home and uh, my grades sucked and dad was like, what are you doing? And I was like, maybe this is a, the best I can do. And he's like, maybe you're just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. So... He's like, so you can just cut that out. So, um, so was, I do remember as him, and uh, and then obviously uh, them taking an interest in saying like, you can be better. Mm. So, uh, you know, and keeping me back a year because I was young, and then actually realizing I could have some success in school and put more balance in between that, and then realize like, okay, you can you can do both. There's a balance to it, and uh, be better and not just be a clown. Mm. So. And I still remember you graduated. What was the award that you got in at high school? Uh, the headmaster's award. It's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. Still on the shelf up in the up in the up in the uh, office slash Dusted it today. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> but uh, I love that. I mean, yeah. the fact that you. I mean, how amazing in a moment where sort of you had gotten so accustomed to being like hey listen maybe this is this is it yeah. and to to receive that encouragement to say you're 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 capable of so much more yeah. is is like a, a wake-up call yeah. you know <clears throat> i love that so back to me for a minute <laughs> i um you know i like to be real candid and in that moment i'm listening i'm listening to my brother say this moment and i'm thinking just because this is, it's my self-centered world where I was like, did I ever get that opportunity? Like how awesome that my brother got that, but did I have that moment? And I did too. And I, if I know my sister well enough, she also had that thought that our parents were able to be there for Angela in that moment and create such a shift. And I'm sure then the following thought can be that we did also get those opportunities. I know for me, um, I had the, that opportunity in my own struggles when my parents came together and said, you can be better than this, um, when I was going down the wrong path. And, uh, and I think that it's all about how we receive it. And it took me a little bit longer to receive that message. And Angelo got that message a little quicker and it really changed his life in a different direction. Mine got changed a little later and I won't speak for you on like what your experience is with that. But. No, mine. It's so funny. Like mean, mine. I can recall a moment where I was my freshman year at American and I was feeling super stressed by everything, feeling like I really didn't fit in, um, didn't have a place, felt so out of my comfort zone. And I remember calling mom and saying, it was like halfway through the first semester and I was like, mom, I think I'm done. I, I don't, I wanna come home. I don't wanna be you know, away from home and like in this school anymore. And she said, listen, just hang in there until the end of the semester and then we can make a decision. And she's later since told me that in pushing me in that moment was her belief that I could stick it out, that it wasn't something that I couldn't physically do, that I couldn't withstand and that she knew that my fear was standing in front of me of just like pushing through the discomfort. Mm. And I think that as I'm hearing myself say it now, that was a real moment of vulnerability of reaching out to mom in a moment where I didn't know what to do and I just wanted to quit. And she's consistently raised us with a mentality of like, I can't isn't an option. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think our parents have, have definitely come forward in these moments where, where our stuff definitely needed to shift. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. 
All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Angela, thank you for looking for giving it a break on looking at the NFL scores today for a second. (laughs) And I appreciate you making the time. It's only because the Patriots aren't playing. (laughs) Just keeping it 100. All right. So, Maria, because I know you, I would be interested to know, I mean, all of this – all of this effort and attention that you have been giving on really shifting has been admirable to watch, to say the least. And I'm just curious for you, what do you think is on the line? What's your why for wanting to shift from the messages that you've received? Um, well, and when I say shift, like to sort of not take that story on any longer I think that uh, it's a great question I think it's been brewing for some time and I think for a while I haven't known how to break free of that um, that story that I tell myself and that I feel like was it has been reinforced by the people that know me the best and that it um it means shifting relationships as well because if people put me in that category of someone who is kind of rough around the edges and um, doesn't feel much and powers through and um, and has this label of like this moody, you know, um, uh, disconnected. I feel like it's a strong word for the people that know me because I'm all in with the people I care about. So... I would say they wouldn't label it as disconnected. Help me out here. Like, uh, more like, um, unaffected. Mm, That's Um, a great word. Yeah. Unaffected. Um, because on the surface people can make a judgment about you if they don't really know you mm -hmm. that you're, you're unbothered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really, if anyone takes the time to really know you, (laughs) You're probably one of the most empathic people anyone will ever meet. Right, yes. And, I, and I've learned that about myself. And I think that I know that's what's been so hard is I feel everything. And right. I, 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 as an adult now, and, and you start to kind of look, look at yourself in this different way and try and understand who you're trying to become. And it's like, what has... Um, what did that look like for me or, or what's holding me back from, you know, feeling the range of emotions that I've had or showing them. So, um, so that has definitely been, uh, like I said, brewing and, and trying to understand why that is, but not knowing the ways in which to get there. Um, so for me, what's, what's on the line now, uh, for shifting that, um, I would say the fact that I am, you know, Fairly. No, I'm, I'm newly married. Um, so that's a whole nother dynamic. And my, my husband has challenged me in this way from the minute I met him, uh, to where that, those rough edges and, um, my quick responses that were based in fear, uh, he would challenge them and he would not tolerate them. And I mean that in the most loving way, because, uh, he would push me to, um, have to take an honest look at myself and not look to him to fix the way I'm feeling. Uh, cause that's, that wasn't his job and he didn't sign up for that. Uh, he signed up to love me unconditionally and, and be there and support me. So that really, I would say, to be honest, that's what started the journey of really, um, taking a hard look at how I operate within relationships. Um, and again, as I get older, I, I want to have more meaningful relationships with my family. I want to be an example for my niece. Um, all the kids I want to help, uh, you know, I, I, in order for me to be, you know, I need to be, I need to be walking that walk. So if I'm encouraging them or feeling their pain or wanting them to be able to do that, I need to know what that feels like. Um, so, so there's, there's more, I guess my why, uh, is, 
is because I I don't I, I don't want to be I don't want to be stuck in that place anymore. It's like a, an emotional prison for me. I mean, it's um, I know they're there. They're pushing to come out and I just keep trying to stuff them back in. They don't fit anywhere anymore. So um, I guess the why is like it's been with many things in my life because there it feels like there's not another choice at this point. It's interesting that you mentioned like an emotional prison because I think I get this in image conjured up in my in my mind when you when you said that of like you really being in a prison of your own making where people are like actually trying to get in. Yeah. And you've kept people at arm's length but like in the most loving way at times. Mm -hmm. But really like those walls have been mm -hmm. have been up. I worked hard at them. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of construction. A lot of construction. Yeah. Construction runs in our family, yes. so, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Flawless yeah. construction there. Yeah. Well, Angela, what about you? I mean, we talked about... Piggies aren't blowing this house down. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, what about you? What's on the line to shift um, at where you are today? Like, I you guess know, mine, you know, if I'm following kind of what we talked about earlier was... Um, cause maybe once or twice, three times at most, um, I may have been criticized by my wife as well that maybe not everything needs to be a joke. Uh, so maybe that creeps in here and there. Um, you know, maybe I make jokes of situation or light of situation and again, not to, uh, maybe present my feelings on what's going on. So, um... <clears throat> I think it's 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 fun to have and it's good to have, but there also is times when maybe it goes too too much. Um, so uh, that way that I can communicate real feelings with my wife. And but I do want to have a nice balance though, because I do see it in my daughter. I mean, she has a great sense of humor where she tries to mess with us and she thinks she's hilarious <laughs> and she laughs. So I want to. I want to encourage that and have that, but also be mm. able to, um, you know, be like, oh, you know, we can joke and we can have fun, but we, you know, we can have feelings too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so that's probably where my shift would want to be. It makes sense. That's a lot on the line. Yeah. For sure. Sophia brings out this infectious laughter, this, like, you know, this like when when she's in the room and she's laughing at whatever is going on it really like ricochets through the entire room mm -hmm. where it's just everyone is but i get it i mean it's interesting to hear you say it that way Ange, because when you think about the acknowledgement that you were getting as a kid being mm -hmm. like a class clown a little mm -hmm. bit and then today like what's more gratifying than the laughter mm -hmm. of Sophia yeah. you know I mean and and there and, is and that's and that's where I feel like it's it has to be just as gratifying when she feels sad mm -hmm. and when yeah. she feels angry and when she feels yeah. all her emotions right. that she needs that's the that's the shift is that she can get that same mm -hmm. love and attention for oh, all yeah. the emotions and that's what you're saying that's yeah. what you're saying yeah and that's awesome. where I think like it's funny because when you're saying the moodiness and your emotional walls where it's like I think part of it too is I created those with joking and laughter because mm -hmm. like because I you know I don't you know I keep my circle pretty tight and I think that you know not letting you know joking around and stuff you make friends but it's only mm -hmm. it was only surface deep so mm -hmm. it's like kind of keep people away right. from like what was really going on um you know so it's like oh we laugh and we have a good time it's like, i don't know really know what's going on right so right mine, mine was just a friendlier wall <laughs> you look at it and you're like oh haha that's like great you, you stuff, yeah like, yeah with, like, exactly like smiley mine, faces yeah mine was decorated yours if you like walked up to you like Ooh, yeah don't, <laughs> don't go there don't no, no trespassers <laughs> yeah. so yeah like mine like oh what's on the other side of that like oh don't worry about that but you it's like oh don't want to know that might be the best thing that's ever been said. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, Angela and Marie, you've both heard me be on my feminist rant for as long as you can remember. And Angela, mm -hmm. you and I were talking about this, about just the ability for men in relationships. I mean, you talked about your role as a, as a, as a partner, as a spouse, and as a, as a dad. But I'm interested to know about friendships, too. Like, how you show up in your friendships when you have these 
predominant like sort of narratives going on in your head. I mean, I, I when when I bring up my feminist rant, I got to talking to Angela the other night and saying that I was saddened by the fact that as men who come together as friends, they can't lead with what's on their heart or what they're feeling in that moment. They immediately go to like this aggression of like being so steadfast in whatever they're feeling, whatever's going on. And not to say this is generalizing all male friendships, but you know, it, it can keep your friendships pretty surface, mm-hmm. pretty I mean, generalized. Eventually you're, you know, you venture out to the male, you know, mm-hmm. Angela being the first male appearance or not. No, no, that's not true. You had a, you had a male, but nonetheless, um, it would, it's a, it's about if you are to show those emotions, I am not man right. enough, right? right? So it's, it's these, the messaging around masculinity yes. or the roles that we're supposed to fulfill that what would it look like if you actually allowed yourself to, you know, express to a friend, Angela, in your life that you've kind of kept it at surface to yeah. be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going through a really tough time right now. Like, do you think that that friend might be able to be there for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think like the few that I consider very close. Right. Like, yeah, it could. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would obviously be difficult, but just from a personal standpoint, but no, I, I mean, I have a couple of close ones, but it's like taken time and it's lasted so long that I think I could, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, there's obviously probably some difficulty to it. Mm-hmm. Still got it. It still takes construction. You got to yeah. take, take them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's work. Yep. It's work. Well, you know. We're, we talk a lot um, in our family uh, because of, with me launching Enough Labs and what the journey to, you know, acknowledging that we are enough as we are. <laughs> uh, we talk about this a lot. And so I'm just curious, you know, Angela, I'll, I'll bring it back to you. You know, you're, you're a new dad, um, you know, and thinking about our stories from Maria and I that we've shared with you, you know, how does this, what comes to mind for you as, as a father with thinking about the messages that women and girls are constantly receiving and you're a girl dad, what, what comes up for you and, in, in sort of helping Sophia and supporting her along her journey to, to cry, um, I am enough. <laughs> I mean, my biggest thing just with her is like, I don't know if it'll all just sound cliche, but, like, let her be her. And, mm. um, you know, there's obviously, as a dad, there's things that, like, I want to do with her. But I know that I really just want it to be what she wants to do. Like, I'm always like, oh, man, I, I wouldn't want to, like, go to dance with her. Or, like, no, like, I dance with her, obviously. But, I mean, like, like dance classes or, like, it's like I want her to, <clears throat> like, do sports and stuff. But... Ultimately, I know, like, whatever she wants to do, like, I'm going to be 100% behind that, whether it's, you know, computers or dance or or whatever Mm -hmm. she wants to do. You know, I I just want to get behind that 100%. And, I mean, I know um, Dad was able to, like, share sports with me, but, like, I know that, like, not always, like, uh, maybe, like, that they would have those things but I want to have like a hundred percent like shared interest with her like whatever it is she wants to do and just show her that um you know I support her in that and she can kind of do whatever she wants I mean with uh with her interests and her personality I don't want to stunt any of that I like you know if she if she thinks things are funny I want her to think it's funny and I want her to laugh at those things and not stop her imagination when she does lets it run wild and you know um just let her take it where she's gonna go and just be there for her wherever that is so i love that obviously dad got to share the love of sports with you for for me it was a little different yeah 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 like he would he would come to those (laughs) gymnastic competitions and people would ask which which child is yours? And he wasn't all that forthright when it came to Angelo's baseball games. I was like, that's my son. No. Not holding on to that. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> what about you, Maria? With Sophia? Yeah. What comes up for you? Um, well, 
I mean, th this has been my, my children have been my passion for a long time and, and now it's, it's my career, but it's, it's just a whole nother level, uh, with this little one. Um, and you know, with my, with my own stuff, with the messaging I got, I think I can sometimes feel like I shouldn't say I see the similarities cause I don't want people to worry that she's going to follow a path that I'm going to follow. But um, if I, if I center myself and think about who I am and my essence and, um, you know, who I am as a person, then that there's nothing bad about that. Um, so I, I think for me, I, I really focus on the emotional part and, um, I mean, Angela pretty much already said it. I'm so glad to hear it. And it's, it's, it's just what I, my hope for all children, um, but that, that she's able to feel that whole range and be exactly who she was intended to be and know that it's safe, you know, know that it's safe to feel all those things and, uh, and, and, and be her and be her biggest self. Like I want to, um, my goal is always to connect with her on a level where, uh, she knows that I'm going to keep her safe, but at the same time, um, I'm not dictating how I want her to behave to make my life easier in any type of way or fit some sort of mold that I'm trying to create. Um, it's this balance, you know, that, that Angela was talking about of that, like, you know, providing that, that safe place to land because she's going to go through stuff. It's just the way it is. So if you keep that consistent, safe place while also giving them the room to be whoever they are, it's a beautiful thing, no mm -hmm. matter what she goes through, because she always knows where to land, mm -hmm. you know? I love that. I'm secretly holding out hope that she is going to want to take over enough labs one day. <laughs> but no, I mean, I want her to feel everything that you guys have described. And I want her to know that she is so incredibly loved and that with all of us, she knows that we are her biggest fans. But I think beyond that, what's even more important that I want for Sophia, just like for everyone, all women and girls, but really everyone, is that I want her to know that she has everything within her, that she doesn't have to look mm -hmm. outside of herself for external mm -hmm. validation, mm -hmm. that she doesn't need a relationship or the right friends or right the necessary mm -hmm. accolades or the right job, exactly, to, to feel enough, that she knows that to her core. You mm -hmm. know, I really, really want that for her. And I, I think if you were to ask our parents, I mean, in many parents of our generation, if that's what they wanted for us. They would say 1000% would pass a lie detector test, but we have more information now mm. than we did then. And I think everyone does the best they can at that time. And we're still, you know, getting that messaging. We're getting that messaging more now because of what they know, um, as adults and still being their children and getting that message of like that, that we don't need anything outside of ourselves. And right. I think if you think about the messaging we got that we created ourselves, Oh, we have a special guest. We have a special guest. Special guest. Hi, Daddy. Hi, so. <laughs> Can we see if you know? Are you enough? Can you Are say you? it? Can you say I'm enough? Enough. I yeah. am enough. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say? What were you saying? I forgot. That's she okay. came in and we no. just That's okay. <laughs> but it, it's overcoming the it's overcome <laughs> it's overcoming the messaging um our own messaging it's not about that we have to blame anyone or that someone didn't give us what we needed it's like the combination of all of it so it's really coming to a place you know in taking all of what created that messaging, sifting it out, and then making your, a better version of yourself as an adult. But I think the ultimate goal is, is that there's not as much sifting for the little ones. There's, yeah. there's not as much sifting through. Spot on. You know? Spot on. And I think it's, it's amazing to kind of, we get to see that play out again in watching Sophia grow up. You know, mm -hmm. like you can have a deeper appreciation for whatever part of the journey that we find ourselves on, I think this would go for anyone who has children or nieces or you know extended family, where you get to see that playful innocence that resides in a child, where there's not so much thinking and really overthinking. And so I think Sophia reminds us to not need to constantly sift, mm -hmm. right? All right, let's take a break here. We'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. It's amazing that we've kept Angelo this long, especially on a Sunday. And we're going to wrap it up the way we wrap up every episode of Embracing Enough. <laughs> well, first of all, before I wrap up the last question, I'm going to lie, Angelo. Truth talk. How many episodes of Embracing Enough have you listened to? I have subscribed and downloaded to every single every single one. <laughs> I'm a little behind on my podcast game. Okay. All right. So we're going to change that up, Not right? For you. I mean, it's all of them. I mean, they're all they're all backed up. I'm getting around to that. My sister has listened to every single one. Just saying. Imagine though, this was a competition. <laughs> all right. I figured even if I didn't listen to all of them, I could still be enough. But we'll all right. Let's wrap it up the way I wrap up every episode. What does embracing enough mean to you? No. Oh, well, maybe we could ask it like, what does embracing enough mean to you? And maybe in the context of this conversation that we've been having, you know, with respect to mm-hmm. Sophia and our own journeys and, you know, what would it look like? What would it look like if we kind of leaned in? Uh, I guess the big thing for me Here would be go. thank you so much. I guess the cupcakes are more than enough. <laughs> um, my enough would be, I guess, realizing, uh, you know, more importantly that I guess I, yeah, is that I have enough to... Um, I guess, uh, give Sophia what she needs, um, more importantly, would be, like, to show her that she is, um, you know, that she has everything she needs, um, to, inside of her, like you said, um, so that would be the, I guess, the important thing about embracing it, uh, for me right now. What would it look like for you to embrace enough, Angela? Uh... What I'm just saying, no, I guess, uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I just accept, I don't know, embracing the, I don't know, the, I thought I, that I would be enough to be her dad to show her all those that she can be, you know. Um, I guess that's what would be important to me. Beautiful, so. nice, thank you, thank you for being here. No problem, Maria. What does it mean like for you? What does it look like for you? I've pretty much just counted on you for like explaining the definition of enough since this is your thing. So I haven't given this question a lot of thought. I've pretty much been relying on your whole organization to just kind of take care of that piece. Um, But uh, I I, I would say definitely in in all seriousness, I guess for my journey now, it is enough. uh, Enough looks like when I experience a feeling or it actually comes to the surface that I am brave enough to um, to share it and not filter it and revert back to old ways. Um, that's what enough is to me because I, I can, uh, I've had many accomplishments and things that I've been able to do and have that positive talk within myself, but not not in this area. <laughs> Um, so this is real life here. This is, we're recording at home. Sophia wants to make her appearance and her, Um, her presence known. But yeah, I I would say that that's what it is for me. It means, um, it means letting it get a little messy. Yeah. I think that's what it means for me. I love that. And with that, we close season one. Can't believe it. Thank you all for listening. We're going to be back real soon. And I hope that you've enjoyed this first season. Uh, Rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And we will be bringing you more exciting content for this episode. For this this podcast. (laughs) Say, right here. Say, you are enough. Yeah, I'm enough. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Recording this season's last episode of Embracing Enough with my sister and my brother has me feeling all sorts of things. 
I am so proud of who we have become. We've navigated our fair share of challenges and hardship as a, as a family, but what I find truly incredible is the way that we have each made it through in our own unique way, stronger and together. I can imagine that many people listening can relate to the fact that the stories we either tell ourselves or those that are told to us as children can have a profound impact on the people we become. And we owe it to ourselves to peel back the layers of those stories and unlearn them if if we need to. Because if not, and if we're not careful, those very stories can hold us back from uncovering the greatest part of ourselves. I am blown away by how blessed I am that I get to call these two amazing humans family. But beyond that, I'm excited about what life has in store for my sister, my brother, and even myself. I mean, I've always been that protective big sister. But today, I'm struck by how much my brother and sister have protected me, how they show up for me, their support for me throughout this podcasting journey, as well as the launch of Enough Labs, has been nothing short of extraordinary. And I am so lucky that I get to have them in my corner. It was only fitting that I close out season one of Embracing Enough with my brother and sister on their own respective journeys to declaring their enoughness. And I'm honored and overjoyed that I get to share a piece of my family with all of you beautiful listeners. So for all of you that have been listening this season, please know that I am so grateful to each and every one of you. You know, when I started this podcast journey, I didn't know what folks were going to think. Was it going to land with people? Would it even get more than a listen beyond my immediate family? But this first season has taught me so much. It's challenged me in ways I never thought it would. I learned so much through my conversations with every single guest and each and every story recounted on this podcast left a mark on me that I will carry forever because I'm convinced that our stories have power. I believe our stories are the bridges to connection and understanding. They help others feel seen and our stories shape us into the people we are destined to become. So thank you for being a part of this journey. We'll be back soon with season two. But for now, I'm going to rest a bit and just take some time to acknowledge what it took to get here. I hope that these conversations offered you something. Laughter, connection, deeper understanding, and joy. Because I gained all of these things and more creating them. Until next time, stay committed to your journey of embracing enough. Every single one of you is worth it.